All right, welcome back, everybody, to another OA News Overtime. I'm Jordan Hill. That's Justin Lee. Justin, uh, another busy week of sports, but I know uh, that's kind of the name of the game for us right now. Just how's your week going and, and uh, what you been up to? Oh, you know, just getting in Twitter fights, but we, we won't talk about that. We won't worry that, about that. That's what we live for. <laughs> that, that's our everyday. Um, so a lot, a lot to cover. Uh, let's yeah. jump into AU football. Uh, the guys picked up back on spring practice. Uh, got that back started Monday after a week off. Uh, it's sort of a de facto spring break. But um, we had a chance to talk to some assistant coaches offensive on Tuesday or Monday, I should say. And then Wednesday, we got some of the defensive assistants. Um, had a chance to be on some of those calls. Really interesting to hear some of the perspectives. Um, Justin, I don't know how much you saw of some of the conversation on Twitter. Some of the guys that really impressed me, we had a chance to talk to Cadillac Williams. And, you know, he really talked about one of the big topics of this offseason was if he was going to come back. And as strange as that sounds, you know, he's such sort of a pillar of Auburn football, especially in the modern era there was a real chance that he wasn't going to be part of the staff. And you look at the fact he was the only Gus Malzahn assistant that was retained. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that there was, you know, a big overhaul, but he really praised Brian Harson and, and really spoke highly of his conversations and, and what he kind of heard from him. And, you know, he talked about how much Harson uh, really embraced sort of the mentality that's at Auburn. And we kind of heard that echo today uh, from cornerbacks coach Zach Etheridge, another guy that played it yeah. all. He talked about, you know, basically he was, you know, Harson was echoing the Auburn Creed before he really even got on campus, really even knew what that was. Um, yeah. That's a good sign if you're an Auburn fan. That I mean, these are two guys, obviously their own staff and work with Harson, but they know what it's like to be at Auburn. They know, you know, the expectations of what people expect to see each and every Saturday out of these guys. And they know what coaches are expected to do and how they're expected to lead. And I think yeah. their conversations and what they had to say about Harson to me really stood out um, and really showed, you know, again, it's all talk right now. It's all yeah. it really is during the spring, but I think you got to be encouraged uh, by what some of these guys that have been around the program for a long time had to say uh, sort of about their early feedback on Harson. Yeah. I was going to ask about Zach. Uh, Cause obviously like, you know, we talked about it during the, during the um, coaching change, like we, figured you know the layups of who you want to keep it starts with Cadillac and then of course T-Well who's 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 down in Orlando but uh I mean it seems like do you think on the defensive side Zach Etheridge fills that void a little bit I mean obviously you know he's 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 Auburn through and through so uh do you kind of like that the way it's you know they have that that uh orange and blue blooded guy uh, on both sides of the ball right I guess it maybe it just kind of worked out that way they could have had an O-line coach or something instead but uh, I don't know, do you, do you like kind of Zach Etheridge maybe carrying that torch on the defensive side of the ball, kind of picking up where T-Will left off? Because that's kind of how I see it. I, I do. And, you know, we got to point out, too, that it would have been Tracy Rocker. He would have been a third guy that played at Auburn. But that's, you know, both Zach Etheridge and Cadillac are more of the modern era of Auburn football. You know, Rocker was late 80s, so that's a little bit of a different – I mean, you know, you're talking about that's before Arkansas and South Carolina were in the conference. That's going back a little bit, of, uh, you know, a little ways back. Um, but, yeah, I think that it's good to have a guy like Etheridge. I think, you know, I was really impressed just talking to him as a young assistant. You know, he talked about how much his experience has set him up, you know, playing. He really, really harped on how big Ted Roof, who used to be Auburn's defensive coordinator, has been in his life. And, and really, he said Ted Roof was why he got into coaching. 
Um, you know, and, and he harped on, you know, he wasn't the most highly recruited guy and, and sort of how that influences how he looks at recruiting. Obviously, he's still going after the four stars and five stars, but, you know, he understands what to look at for guys that are going to play at Auburn. You know, uh, Zach really talked about you got to have a blue collar mentality. You got to be a guy that's going to work. And, and it's so funny to me when I think about, you know, back when Pat Dye passed away last summer, talking to some of his former players, so many of them talked about, you know, a lot of them were East Alabama guys and mm-hmm. they, you know, were hard nosed and went to work, you know, the, the proverbial taking your, your lunch to work and, you know, and, and just grinding and, and doing everything you can, leaving it all out there on the field. And I know that's a different era, but I mean, I think that's sort of what Etheridge sees as Auburn football. I think that's got to excite the fans. And I think especially him coaching the cornerbacks, there may not be a position of more depth. I, I think you want a guy that knows expectations. And obviously there's been great Auburn cornerbacks through the years. So I think that that's, that's really promising. And I think that is good. I think they've got a nice blend of guys that have seen how Auburn has prospered in the past and, and when things were working, what it took from the players to even the, the coaching and the philosophy with guys that want to come in and do something new, guys who have had success elsewhere. And you hope that that kind of is a little bit of a concoction where you get a little of both. You kind of understand uh, the parameters of what works at Auburn and the parameters of just what works in general in today's college football. Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting that it's, hey, there's two people from, you know, 2004 season and the 2010 season, right? You're national champion and the SEC champion in 2004. Uh, so, yeah, you got representatives from both. You got hard fighting soldier and, and all in. Those are two uh two two big moments in Auburn football history so uh you know it's kind of a relief I you know like they're still gonna sing the fight song after games you know what I mean like you know it's a new coach from Boise State or whatever but you know uh, some of these guys are gonna carry some of those same traditions um and I that's always I feel like every coaching change you have those kind of guys uh, you know it, it just makes sense to have people who can connect with the players and and somebody to hold over from before uh, but in those two guys, you know, if you're going to have that, that, that token person, uh, I think they got two good ones in, in those two. Uh, and you've got they're really two, two rising coaches who have, you know, have only their potential ahead of them. You know, I mean, coach, I mean, Cadillac, obviously he's in his first, 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 you know, college job. And then, and then Zach Etheridge, Dana Holgerson, obviously had nothing, nothing but not good things to say about him. So, uh, so yeah, it's uh it's, it, yeah, I'm sure it was, it's pretty enlightening to get to talk to them this week. So, yeah. No doubt. And and contrary to popular opinion, uh, contrary to Twitter, you know, it's not wholesale changes. They're not turning the field blue, even though <laughs> that out on April Fool's Day, I did a double take. and say, like, oh, yeah, wait, it's April Fool's April. Yeah, what day is it? <laughs> uh, I wanted to run through some of the other quick observations on the other assistants was really impressed with Cornelius Williams. He's a guy that I kind of had forgotten. He's a receivers coach now. He has coached at just about every program in the state of Alabama. I mean, he coached at Jacksonville State. He's coming from Troy, coached at South Alabama. He grew up early years in Mobile, moved to Birmingham. I, I think he even spent a little time at UAB. He played at Hoover. I think he was on two-a-days back in the day. Yeah, he was. I, this guy's been everywhere, and I think that – he sort of has the right mindset. And I think that him having those in-state ties right now specifically, I don't think you can put a value on that. Him and Will Friend, the offensive line coach who, who played at Alabama and has been around this state, because we're still in a dead period where 
these coaches can't go see these recruits face-to-face. And right now, it's all about relationships. If you've got high school coaches that you're tight with, those are invaluable right now. we got two guys in Will Friend and Cornelius Williams who understand the state, know where to go, you know, know the hotbeds of like Mobile and, and you know, the, the Birmingham area for big-time guys. I don't think you can put a price on that, what, what that can mean. Uh, uh, looking elsewhere, we talked some of the defensive assistants. Nick Eason, I, we talked for about 20 minutes. I could have talked for another hour and a half. Yeah. Get you fired up. And, and he talked about <laughs> uh, him and outside linebacker Burt Watts are, you know, their offices are right next to each other and they're constantly pretty much wrestling each other, like going through pass rush moves and things like that. Uh, that's a guy that won a Super Bowl. Uh, Nick Eason, I think that was with the Steelers. So he's been around and he knows how to play D-line. You know, I think it was, as an Auburn fan, I would have to think people were upset that Tracy Rocker didn't stay around on that second stint. But all things considered, I think you got to be excited about a guy like Nick Eason. Got a lot of fire and the same with Burt Watts. Uh, he's been a guy that's been running around and, and you know, coaching like his head's on fire, not like, you know, he's not even playing out there. Um, so I, I really – was glad we got a, a chance to kind of meet these guys this week. There's only so much you can kind of glean from reading a bio and, and seeing the numbers and how their offenses or defenses played. So it was nice to kind of peel that curtain back and sort of get to know these guys a little bit better. Uh, sorry, Jordan, I got distracted. Uh, Google image searching two a days and going in a time machine. To you probably, you're probably going to get Jeremy Pruitt talking about asparagus. That's going to be one, one of the top hits. Oh my gosh. Giants Thanks. legend, Jeremy Pruitt. What an era. What an era of existence. What a time to be alive. We, we I, I remember it, I remember it pretty thoroughly, uh, Justin. I'm sure we were both kind of young when that was on. Do you remember watching Two A Days? Oh yeah, we were like 15, I guess. Oh my gosh. I didn't watch it, but I knew it was around. So I went and watched uh what what uh yeah, it was. I think it was John Parker Wilson's little brother was coach was at Hoover, right? And I don't know if it was that year. It might have been a couple years after Hoover days, but we went up to Legion Field just because we were bored and watched them get the crap kicked out of them by Prattville, and that was <laughs> that was the end of the the two days era. So I got I got to witness it kind of get burned to the ground. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, man, what a what a time to be alive. Jeez. Mm. I want to throw in there too while we're still talking about AU football. You know, the newlyweds. What a shit. What what a time. Sorry. What a time. Rush probes. <laughs> Nothing can go wrong for that guy. That guy is well on his way. Me... But talking AU football, you know, a few weeks ago we had an open practice where we could be there all day. I want to point out that on Saturday they're having an open practice for faculty and students. I gotta say again, you know, kudos to these guys for opening it up, you know, so in this era, it's just so common for coaches to lock out everybody they can lock out, media, you know, anybody, fans, anybody they can, and, you know, kudos to Brian Harson and the staff, they're doing everything they can to let fans see, and I think that's important with a new era to try to build a little bit of interest, you know, I think we all are still trying to get a sense of what we think reasonable expectations for this team can be this fall. No better option than to let the fans come out there and watch and and build that kind of excitement to hopefully if we can get fans, you know, a a full crowd in Jordan hair this fall, they'll show up and they'll be knocking down the gates to get in there. And, you know, we talked about how like, 
you know, the first open practice was, had very big recruiting benefits, right? Like it was very, that's what it was, you know, we figured that's what it was about. Very big benefits there. This one, I don't, current students and faculty, I don't think they're going. So it, it's, uh, it really does seem like this is just a genuine tip of the cap to them. So, hey man, credit them. Cause you know, like we say, you know, we, maybe we didn't give them credit last time. Cause we were like, Hey guys, you know, this is actually about the recruits. They can get, they can come and see. It's a pretty good thing for recruiting. The fans is great, but the recruits, but Hey, this time, you know, no, no strings attached, man. Like that's just uh, from, from what we see right now, it just seems like a, a tip of the cap to, to the university and, and the university community. So, you know, how about that? Well, different. Sure. I, did, I did want to ask you, you still have your student ID, ID when we get you in <laughs> to let us know what those third string tight ends are looking like. Yeah, I know. We got we to get a spy in there. But, I mean, hey, the Plainsman kids are going to be there. I imagine they're going to let us go, but we, we'll, we'll figure yeah. that out. In all fairness, we know we're at least getting a, a media viewing window. And, honestly, with what we've been able to see with the access we've gotten, you know, that that's, that's fair. I think that's completely fair. I, I have been pleasantly surprised with – how much access they've given us. And it's it's good for everybody. We get to write with more knowledge about what we're writing about. You know, we might be full of crap here and there, but when we get the option to, to kind of see behind uh, the scenes what's going on, it, it only helps us. And again, it, it kind of drums up excitement. Um, we're getting ready for the last two weeks of spring leading up to A-Day on April 17th. Justin, anything else you're kind of looking at specifically, things you want to see with the windows we still have to go out there and watch practice and get more of a sense of what this team may look like going into a day. Man, it just, yeah, I mean, mostly just, uh, you know, everyone's staying healthy, but kind of like we talked about before, I'm still interested in those receivers, man, you know, like, cause, and, and in the grand scheme of things, like there's a lot of practices and a lot of ways that you can evaluate kids and you can evaluate them at workouts and everything else. But uh, you only get so many passes from Bo, you know what I mean? In, in practice. So uh, it, it seems kind of, you know, who's going to get that, that early leg up? I mean, obviously, once you get in the fall, everything will change again. But it seems kind of up for grabs as to who's going to perform within the short uh, kind of windows that they, they have here. Uh, so, yeah, receivers, who's going who's gonna to be the most interesting? Because you only get so many targets there. You know what I mean? Like defensive line, you get a lot of reps. You're always repping every single play. But you only get so many targets uh, as far as like 7-on-7 seven seven and 11-on-11 11 11 with the receivers. So I'm interested in the receivers. No doubt, and they've got some guys banged up, and it's still, you know, we're only about halfway through spring, so you don't have a lot of margin for error as far as other guys getting hurt and needing other guys to step up. You know, we're looking at a guy like Kobe Hudson as it stands. He's a rising sophomore, and he might be the most experienced receiver on the team. So that's that's definitely a position of, of focus, a position that people need to keep their eye on. Well, let's transition to women's basketball, a big few days for the women's basketball program. Uh, Justin broke it on Saturday that uh, Auburn has a new head coach. Johnny Harris coming over from Texas was previously at Mississippi State. Someone who knows the SEC well is going to get her first chance to be a head coach. Justin, fill us in. Uh, You know, you were there uh, with uh, Johnny when she had her introductory press conference. What were your thoughts on the hire um, early impressions on, on what Johnny had to say and, and sort of what her vision is going to be for building this basketball program. The most interesting thing to me is that, yeah, she is a, you know, a, a first time SEC, you know, a first time head coach, first time SEC head coach, uh, you know, right off the bat. Uh, but the most interesting thing to me is that she has seen, it's more, it's more of the pathway, which is she has seen, so she was with Vic Schaefer under Gary Blair 
at Texas A&M way back in the day in the early 2000s. They built that program, and then she and Vic went off on their own to Mississippi State as Vic is the head coach, her is the associate head coach. They went to Mississippi State. They built Mississippi State, and, um, and, and now it's almost like the third leg of the relay. She's leaving Vic just like Vic left Gary, just like they both left Gary. Now she's going to leave Vic, and she's going to try to do it her own way. And Alan, Alan, didn't have a, Alan Green didn't have a very long uh, introduction uh, to her, but that's one of the things he said was, you know, she she has the blueprint and that's 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 what she, he's talking about because that's the blueprint right there uh he, she's seen it done and and the thing is both of those programs i saw really, i don't know how good texas a&m women's basketball was in the early 2000s before gary blair but both of those times i think they built those programs from nothing and that's what she has to do here that and there's no no illusions i mean you're you're building here at auburn from close to the ground floor uh so so it it I, I think, and you know, you, you gotta, it, I thought that was a very, I thought it was a good hire. And I think it's a very interesting pathway to take um, because, you know, you, you could, you could pick like last time with, with Flo, they went and got a rising coach out of Georgetown. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things you could do. She ran it. She ran this, that could have worked because the system she ran is what you probably need to run at, at Auburn. And we can talk more about, about it, but uh, Johnny said, you know, they're going to press too. It's going to be the same kind of stuff defensively at least at least to begin with especially because those are the players she has uh but but yeah I mean I think that's very interesting to where you, you look at it, it I think there's it's twofold it's this this blueprint this pathway and the gamble the gambit is also that Johnny was doing a lot of that recruiting over there you know Johnny was doing that recruiting at Mississippi State and the, you want her to bring in those kids here uh, and, and that because and it's all about recruiting and she said that she said that in her intro press conference those words it's all about recruiting and yeah that's true <laughs> she's right so yeah um it, overall I mean I would encourage people to watch the press conference this is a brisk like 20 minutes or so and that bad uh and uh she's they say up front she's very soft-spoken Alan said it and she said it uh, you know, she's not the showman like Bruce Pearl. Bruce Pearl will get up there and, and engineer the circus for you. But, uh, but, uh, but hey, it's all about the court. So, yeah, so I, I, and I think the longer she talked, she was a little bit nervous and she got more uh, confident. But, yeah, I mean, she seems sweet. And uh, it's, it's just going to be uh, interesting to see how, how fast she hits the ground running. And, again, we talk about a fit. She feels like a fit. She feels like she likes the family atmosphere. So, all those things are, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all there for, for anyone to see. Uh, but that's the most interesting thing to me is that they, they went and found somebody who has been a part of a build just like this. I mean, you either, you could have either gone to South Carolina to, to pick up a Don Staley assistant, or you go to Mississippi State when you're saying, oh, I'm, I'm Auburn. What do I, I want? Who do I want to be like? Who do I want to build after? You know, they, these two, these people built something from nothing. So they went, they went the Mississippi State route and they, and they got a, um, but yeah, and I think it's, uh, as Alan said, her name kept coming up in, in, in all their, their interviews and their searches. So, um, it's a very interesting hire, uh, but yeah, very interested in, in kind of the choice they made. Um, very different also, I'll say from Alan's other two hires from, from, uh, Brent Crouch for volleyball and, and Brian Harson for, for, uh, football. Yeah, you know, just based on what I know about Johnny, you know, we, we kind of were having conversations Saturday when it looked like, you know, it was going in that direction. She was going to be the choice. I think there's a lot, a lot, a lot to like about this hire. You know, when I think about SEC basketball sort of in the modern era, you know, it's been South Carolina, it's been Mississippi State. I think getting her 
you know, and I think about specifically, you know, when I was in Columbus, she was able to go get Jessica Carter out of Harris County. That's just, you know, sort of West Georgia, just up the road from Columbus. Obviously, she did a good job recruiting because Jessica has been really good at Mississippi State. And, and, you know, I think they had success in the limited time they've been at Texas. They made it to like the lead eight, I think, this year. I mean, they, they, were, they were a really good team. So, you know, I think it's natural. Like you said, there might have been a little bit of nerves in that introductory press conference. And I always think it's funny just with coaching hires in general. You got to think, too, even if they're experienced, this is a new job. You know, you're stepping up and you're taking more responsibility, even if that's talking in front of a camera and answering questions. So I think there's a lot to like about that hire. I'll be interested to see. You know, what it sort of looks like early on, what the rebuild kind of looks like and, and sort of how it takes shape and, and what she's able to do. But I think there's plenty of reason to be excited. And again, I think there's plenty of reason for, for fans to rally behind what's going to be happening at Auburn. We've seen success at Auburn before. If you're ever in Auburn Arena, just look up at the rafters, at the jerseys and, and the banners. I mean, there's been success at Auburn. I think if they give Johnny time and she gets a chance to really work what she's done before at Mississippi State in Texas, I think uh, it could be special in due time. Right. I think, I mean, I don't know how far you want to get into this, but, uh, you know, it's going to take a change. It's going to take a culture change from a lot of, you know, from inside the locker room and up in the stands. Uh, It's going to take change and it's going to take time. And Auburn fans, as they are right now, aren't, supporting the program relative to wins at all. They're not, it's not where it needs to be. It's not where you would expect it to be. Um, this is one I was talking about, you know, arguing on Twitter. I put it on, put it on there. Um, here's, here's where they rank supporting, uh, you know, as far as fan attendance uh, since 2000. And you've got seven NCAA tournament teams in there and they're not even in the top 50 for uh, fan attendance uh, for most of it. And so if, if someone wants to say, oh, great job, Auburn fans, you're doing good. We way to go. This is so good. Whatever. But I'm going to call that poor. I'm going to call that that's not good. And if that, and if it's not your deal, just that's fine. Accept it. Like, whatever. But, you know, if, for people who can't, can't, can't hear anything bad about Auburn fans, like, oh, we're doing great. You're not. You're not doing good. You need to buy in now. If you want this to be successful, uh, you should buy in now. And if that doesn't concern you, then it doesn't concern you. Then don't worry about it. So I'll, that's as far as I'm going to go. <laughs> I'll just add to the anybody that just in general doesn't follow women's basketball. I mean, it to me is just as entertaining as the men's. If anyone has questions about, you know, putting that kind of stock into it, go watch that Stanford, Arizona uh, national championship game on Saturday or Sunday, actually. I mean, it was intense, came down to the wire, and the final four games before that were really exciting. So if you want Auburn to get to that level, I mean, for me personally, and I think that you could speak to this too as sports riders, you watch about as much women's as you do men's, and sign me up for a women's game. I covered the WNBA for a summer while I was still in college. It's just as entertaining, and and again, you can have a lot of fun going to those games, and you know, you want to be on board, especially if you're a, an Auburn fan and you're a fan of all the sports. This is a chance to get in with a new era, and maybe it could be a special one. Well, some of them aren't fans of all the sports, but that's that's between them and themselves, and they don't need to go yelling at writers about it. No doubt. And, hey, that's your that's your right. If you don't you know, just want to follow the football. Or that's, Whatever. Right. That's, that's cool. That's cool with me. But when people say, people say, oh, you got to win 30 games in two straight years and then we might be there. 
No, that's not good support. That's not You're good. Not I'm not going to grade that as good. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to call that good. That's poor. That's bad. Uh, and the truth is, that's where Auburn is right now. Um, they, but when when people say there were fans when the team was rocking and rolling in the late '80s, there weren't. Not all the time. There yeah, weren't. they showed pictures. Didn't somebody put on social yeah. media? Like, <laughs> the, yeah, the stands. The stands were not. It was they not in room only in some they other weren't. And in 08-09, they had uh, they they jumped to 24th nationally in in attendance after when with one of, with a top 10 team all season, uh, and that was with the help of a home game uh, with Tennessee. If they didn't have Tennessee at home, I doubt they would have they would have been top 30. Uh, it was it, you know I, I I could do the numbers on that, but and then they went away just as fast as they came. So when people say oh they'll come we'll come when they win we're not doing anything wrong as fans that's a fallacy. You're you're wrong. That's not how it is right now. Right now, Auburn needs to adjust. Uh, you know, Auburn needs to change if they want to be successful. Uh, and that's got to start with, you know, it starts in the locker room, but it goes up in the stands too. And obviously, she talked about that too. You know, Johnny talked about reaching out to fans, bringing in new people. I mean, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be, you're going to be trying to find, you know, you're not going to bring over people from the baseball parking deck. They're not coming. You're going to bring, you're going to bring, you know, townies with daughters. You're going to bring students who just love making noise at basketball. Like, what? Well, that's fun. You're going to bring those people and you're going to find, you know, women basketball enthusiasts in the area who maybe don't have a team yet. Like it's, you've got to, you've got to expand your, your Auburn women's basketball circle. Um, it's different from football. It's different from other, other sports, but you know, that's what they want to do. That's, that's the plan. And I, I just remember when, when uh, Bruce Pearl first got here, uh, I think he, he reached out, he hit the Greeks pretty hard. He reached the fraternities and the sororities really trying to, trying to drum up interest. Uh, and there, I mean, obviously you, you talk about a pathway, there's something to be followed there. There's something that, so, you know, Johnny can take notes from, from Bruce in, in trying to drum up interest there. So uh, it, it's going to take a build. So, you know, if you're on board, get on board, uh, but it, it's going to be a build. And I think, I think everyone knows that. And I think, you know, just to take one more kind of infer, inference uh, from, from Alan Green, you know, in his presser, if you watch it, it's a little bit different from Brian Harson. you know, Brian Harson is, you know, as, has a football power, you know, he, he has the keys to a, to a Cadillac, no pun intended on the running back coach. Uh, <laughs> he has the keys to a Ferrari, you know what I mean? Because it's a, it's a, it's a top program. I mean, top 15, top 10 football program. And obviously this isn't that. So, uh, you know, the, the, the expectations are realistic, but the ultimate goal is to make it to the NCAA tournament and make NCAA tournament runs uh, just like we saw you know, we, everyone saw how fun this was the last couple of weeks at the NCAA tournament. Auburn wants to be there. It's going to take a lot of work, but that's the goal. Well, let's transition from the new coaching hire to spring sports. And let's start with AU softball. Auburn had a tough road uh, challenge this weekend playing Arkansas, number 13 Arkansas. Didn't go Auburn's way. Uh, three straight losses. Uh, and only scored one run total in those three games. We knew that was going to be a tough challenge. But, Justin, what was sort of your takeaways from how that Arkansas series played out and, and maybe where Auburn stands as they get ready, they'll play Texas A&M next? It's, such, it's tough breaks, man, because they could have got a sweep. They could have they won all three of those games and uh, ended up just, just taking the one. So, uh, yeah, uh, tough. Uh, but you know, that's, that, that's how it goes. You gotta, you gotta finish, you gotta finish games. Right. Um, so, I mean, that's, it's, like you said, it's, 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 there's some encouraging signs there, but ultimately now it's like, okay, running out of time, got to start winning. If they could have won one more of those and taken that series, they would, I think they would have felt better. 
but but yeah, uh, that that's about as tough as it gets, I think, because man, they they had they had both of those games in the bag and and uh, just couldn't finish them. You're talking AU softball. Uh, oh my my bad, Jordan. You're good. Jump right back on the with those the 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 fact. I mean. It's a little bit confusing that Auburn was playing Arkansas in baseball and in softball. Yeah, that didn't help, bro. Sorry. Sorry, man. They only got one run though, so it wasn't quite as as tight as the baseball series was. You, you really, you really, you could have stopped me, but that's okay. I didn't want to. I didn't want to just, you know, you just, just beautiful baseball mom. All right. Let, hey, let's start. Let's just jump with baseball because that's what we talked about. And, and I mean, you were making good points about the baseball team. The big thing from that game one, I was able to watch that game. Cody Greenhill pitched out of his mind. He played yeah. great, and I think that's something that Butch Thompson wanted to see, that that was, uh, you know, they needed somebody to step up, and they expected Cody to be the guy. He did. Now, Auburn benefited a great deal from Arkansas mistakes. I know they had at least two errors in that first game. There may have been three, and still Arkansas hung around. It kind of looked like they were going to pull off some late magic. Those other two games, both of them wound up being five to six scores. And the uh, I believe that was the second game went to 10 innings. Actually, that might have been the last game went to 10 innings. So, yeah, that was tough. I think you saw signs of encouragement, especially winning that first game. I think you saw kind of fired up the uh, the players a little bit. And, you know, Butch Thompson had said prior to that game that, you know, we basically he wasn't worried that he had seen the signs that he needed to see as far as nobody was quitting and, and nobody was, you know, woe is me, that sort of thing. But. Uh, eventually those moral victories only get you so far. So that was nice to get that win, um, but they got to get back uh, going against Mississippi State, who we know when it comes to SEC baseball, Mississippi State's usually the one of the, you know, sort of the crown jewels in the SEC, one of the teams that we expect to be in competition to go to Omaha. Um, so that Auburn's got to figure out a way to win these series, starting with a, a big one against Mississippi State. Yeah, Cody, dude, Cody, and Cody played well, especially in that opener against Ole Miss. So, I mean, against two, uh, those are two two of his last three starts, I suppose, really high-powered, uh, you know, opposing bats. Uh, and he's done really well. So, man, I mean, there's your bright spot. Cody's, Cody's doing his damnedest. Uh, but, yeah, very, uh, very tough losses, like we said. So, um, yeah, but at this point, I think you just got to, you got to start rolling up wins to try to get regionals. I think did I read this right, Jordan, that um that regionals are going to be like at neutral sites this year? Like people aren't going to host regionals, I think? I need to double check that. I think you're right. I saw where some news came out about that. I think well, that's hey, correct. So, hey, if, if, you know, home field advantage isn't as much a thing here, so just get in. Get in the tournament. That's all you got to do. So that could almost be a sigh of relief for a team like Auburn that's started really slow in, in, in conference play. You've got time still to get, pick up some wins, win some series. Obviously, you have the strength of schedule on your side. Just get in the tournament and, you know, perform and see what you can do as a low seed. But, yeah, if, you know, when things are neutral, hey, that helps. No doubt about it. Well, let's go to Auburn softball. Like we were saying before, they, again. they didn't get that win that Auburn baseball got against Arkansas. They got swept by number 13, Arkansas. Um, what what are your thoughts on sort of the way that series played out and, and what they need to do to to kind of get things figured out before they play Texas A&M? Well, it's all about the bats, isn't it, Jordan? I mean, they absolutely. Just, they've got the pitching, but uh, just having a really hard time uh, mustering runs and manufacturing runs. I mean, you got you know, one run in three games. I mean, Arkansas is obviously a really good team, 
Uh, but you know, you're at home, you're at home in your own, your own house. You, you, you would think you want to score. They'll be the first ones to say they want to score more than one run in three games at, at their own building. Uh, but, but Hey, I'll say, you know, it's probably the same thing is, you know, just get in the tournament, you know, cause you never know what can happen. And especially when you've got strong pitching that can be an equalizer. So um, yeah, just get in the tournament and see what you can do. Um, yeah. So well, it, it, it's all kind of up in the air as far as the postseason, obviously with COVID and everything else. Um, so yeah, just try to get in. Obviously we talk about strength of schedule advantage with, with, with baseball, softball's got that too, uh, in a major way. Uh, you know, these are some awesome top teams. Um, I'm li- just looking at the schedule though. Hey man, uh, I see less numbers next to schools coming up. You know what I mean? Less, less top 25 teams coming up. So, you know, maybe don't, you know, maybe that, maybe that's not, uh, out of the realm of possibility to just rip some together here, get back in strong seating, a good positioning and, and try to make it the postseason and then start over, start your season over from the postseason. For sure. And like you said, on the pitching point, more often than not, if they can't hit you, they can't score. And I mean, you know, that's the key to maybe just finding your way into a tournament and then, you know, winning a few games and trying to make a little bit of a run. Um, looking at that, uh, you know, at this point where we're getting uh, going through the rest of the spring, Justin, what, what are you working on? Anything of note as uh, we go through the rest of this week? Uh, a little more, a little more of uh, women's basketball. Um, with with Johnny Harris saved a little bit from that press conference, so we'll talk about that. Um, you know, we've got uh, you know I, I, I'm trying to get Unique Thompson on the horn, man. That that draft is coming up next week. I think it's the 15th, unless I'm crazy. I think that's the WNBA draft. So we'll see what what her uh, kind of preparation is is like, and 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 what it's been like for her. So a little bit of that going on, and then obviously this weekend, uh, yeah, baseball and softball. Um, we'll see how they fare. So uh, you know. That's, that's about it. So we've got, we got all area coming up, right? And then, right, Jordan? We're, we're yes, working sir. Yeah, yeah, we got uh, – so obviously still got AU football and, and spring stories. I'll have a bunch from the assistant coaches we've got to talk to, um, have some AU baseball, and then finally getting to all area basketball, boys and girls. We had a lot of really strong local teams this year and, you know, had a few teams play for championships, and uh, Glenwood Lady Gators won a championship. So a lot of success, and – we're going to take Saturday and Sunday to kind of celebrate their big accomplishments and what they were able to do. So, so that'll be exciting and, and kind of wrapped all into not only uh, AU baseball, but, you know, high school baseball and high school softball. We're getting to the nitty gritty right now with area play starting up. And again, if you look at the rankings, we got a lot of really good teams and they're going to be facing off and trying to fight, you know, with these areas, you got really good teams and only two spots to make it to the state tournament. So, it's going to be really competitive these next few weeks. Yeah, Auburn High baseball, baby. They're they're, they're number one. Probably going to drop number two pretty soon. Say they, they they dropped that one versus two game. But hey, man, it doesn't doesn't matter. Hey, once once area play starts, it doesn't matter, man. You're just trying to get your spot in the postseason and then roll from there. So, uh, yeah, no doubt. Well, well, right now is sort of the heart of baseball season, Justin. We talked about local baseball. We talked about AU baseball. Atlanta Braves getting started. I know you and I count that as local coverage when we get that on the front. Uh, Justin, what's some of your favorite memories of baseball, whether it's growing up, either playing or or watching it, or even what you've gotten to see now, uh, you know, through your professional career? Man, you said it. It's got it's got to be that uh, that trip to Omaha, man. Going from 
man, regional night. Uh, Stephen Williams ripping that home run at Georgia Tech. Holy crap. Talk about a lightning bolt. That was insane. Uh, to the trip to North Carolina, got to see Chapel Hill a little bit. And then uh, by the first inning <laughs> of that game three or whatever it was, we knew we knew we were going to Omaha. And then Omaha is a fun trip. So, all right, let's go a little inside baseball here. No pun intended. Literally. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, so Omaha is kind of a crazy trip to make as a reporter because that's not a huge, that's not New York. Like there's not a lot of hotels there. It's not a huge hub. There's not a big airport, but here you have eight teams and eight fan bases who come for this world series. So it's kind of, it's kind of tough to get there. Right. So we ended up piling up, you know, me and three other reporters, you know, media members piled up in a rental truck and went up there, drove up there. And uh, yeah, so kind of jumped hotels a couple of times. Uh, so it's a tough trip to make, but I'm glad I did it, man. That's a bucket list item for sure. Uh, even even as, as crazy as it is. So yeah, that, that's definitely my big baseball memory, I guess. And then I, I, I just know, you know, when I think about the Braves, obviously there are influences everywhere here. Um, in my brother's room when I was little, uh, he had the neon Dion poster of the Falcons Braves. He's running one way and the other way. I was like, man, that's, that's, that's the coolest thing you'll ever see, man. <laughs> so yeah, that's all I got. I did want to say, I'm kind of imagining in my head when all you guys were in one car that they had you like the, the granny and Beverly Hillbillies, you were like on a rocking chair on the top of the car, like they, they just had yes. everybody in the car. Uh, for me, when I think about baseball season, the thing that always comes to mind to me is being, you know, early teens, like summer, you know, June, July, just got done cutting our grass. I'm sitting by the pool and I got the Braves radio on and listen to Don Sutton and some of those guys. Um, that's always sort of my memory. And uh, my maternal grandfather was a huge Braves fan and he, he liked to kind of, he, he he seemed to disagree with Bobby Cox sometimes. He would often, <laughs> often say somebody needed to go in there and wake up Bobby, make sure, make sure he was awake in there. But <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, to me, that's what I think about when it comes to spring baseball. And, you know, I, I was on a radio call the other day with a radio station in Arkansas and they were just asking just about baseball it was open. It was actually open today. And they were asking, you know, when it comes to Alabama, the state of Alabama, you know, who is their major league allegiance? I said, oh, it's Atlanta Braves. And they were like, okay, well, who's number two? And I was like, I don't think there is enough. I guess I should have said like the Montgomery Biscuits and something like that. It's like, I don't think there is a number two. I think it's the Braves by a pretty good long shot. So, uh, so that's a pretty fun conversation, kind of kind of getting to weave in uh, baseball and, and sort of the local area. There you go. Yeah, man. It's that time. Maybe the Braves can get a win here in a minute, and we'll see. That'd be great. That'd be great. Well, uh, Justin, I appreciate you jumping on. Always, uh, for the listeners, thanks for listening. We enjoy getting on and recapping everything going on. Uh, Again, thanks for listening. Until next time, uh, take care.